Well, uh, I have been, you know, you know, the conferences are coming up. You got, uh, we got summer here and then, and then there's the big fall conference season. So you got all the big conferences going on. And honestly, uh, you know, honestly is a strange phrase that people use a lot. I find that it means often the opposite of, or some sort of disclaiming thing, but that's a footnote for another time. My kids have started saying that. And what, what I tell them is, uh, I don't want you to be honest with me if it involves dinner just like, just eat the dinner. You don't have to be honest that you don't like it. Anyways, uh, I I forget which conference it is, but I, I've been talking with some people and they're going to have like, they're going to use like some online environment for it. Or maybe they just mentioned it, you know, you know that how it goes. You're trying to simulate uh, a real world place instead of it just being Zoom meetings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess ironically, it, you know, I have not caught up on this news, so I wanted to talk with you two about it. But it looks like Zoom is creating the opposite of a good meeting environment, where you can you can have you can have a simulation of people being in a virtual world, a, a sort of maybe this is a third life, not even not even a second one. And you know, there's a there's a great picture. We'll have to put this in the show notes, but it has it has sort of like a classroom, and it almost looks like for the streaming people, you know, if you want to see us record this each week, if you go to uh, twitch.tv slash SDT podcast, you can watch us do it with a little uh, pre-show and after show. But anyways, I'm looking at this picture and it almost looks like South Park style animation, but with real <laughs> pictures uh, of people. Oh, so no. listen, I haven't used whatever this immersive thing is. Maybe it's great. It might have studies that show that, uh, you know, five out of 10 dentists approve of it or whatever. Uh, but my question to you two is, is at least one part, maybe, maybe multi-part if, if we have time for it. But the one part is like, should, should we be attempting anything other than just boring ass webcam views in a big window? Like, is, is, there, is, is it worth <laughs> our time to attempt to have something different? for uh online well, communication I, I i think i think i first saw this feature in microsoft teams so i'm not going to say kudos to teams for providing this feature because i think it kind of blows but usually when, when i use teams i'm like ah, this is terrible and i start clicking around in the different views trying to make it better and and i stumble mm. upon this classroom or you know whatever lecture feature and then i'm like <laughs> that's terrible and i switched back to you know the least terrible view uh which is like their brady bunch view um and then and then like now to see this here in zoom i feel like we're, we're seeing the beginning of of one of those like tendrils of technology exploration we're like okay we got the classroom now we're gonna hook it up to those vr bots that you know move around oh, rooms boy. And, uh-huh. and, you know, we'll, we'll change it from the, the classroom setting to maybe a campfire where we're all looking at each other in different directions. And, and then Apple's going to come out with their AR headset or VR headset or whatever. And, you know, the guys, and so there'll be like, you know, seven people who have the head strap on where they can turn their head and see the other speakers in the room. And like, you know, I, I think we're going to see a whole bunch of new features that nobody uses. Oh, yes. So yeah. the one place, though, on this, the kind of this uh, audience gallery view. So the place that I actually have seen it where I think it works is if you're doing some type of live event where there would have normally been an audience and then you're uh, broadcasting it. So a couple examples would be NBA mm. playoffs last year. 
as well as uh, tonight there'll be the NFL draft. And so when they kind of like want to switch to like the audience reaction, right. And it's sort of like give you the flavor of there are actually people there. Like, so like tonight, I'm sure in the draft, you'll see people cheer. Right. So it's like, it is sort of like right. a fake audience. Like if you're producing a, a video thing and you're like, and the pe- person makes a great point and you're normally being an audience reaction shot. Huh. Yeah. It is yeah. nice that you, and you've told people like you've gotten volunteers or forced them a group of people to do it and be like, okay, you're the audience reaction shots. Yeah. Like, I actually think that part, like it does, if you're going to do a conference that's live, like showing a little <laughs> audience, um, like feedback yeah, but, or like but- fake, no, just let me hear it out. Hear it out. Just like it gives you a sense of there's a reason we're watching it live, right? right. Otherwise, it's like, why aren't we just watching a video? So, but I think that is just like it, it isn't really useful for the people that are actually in the, in the audience. I think it's just useful as like a, a prompt for someone watching it to be like, oh, yeah, there yeah, is people yeah. that, that are alive and it gives you that illusion. So that's the only time I think it's good. I think only oh, in a very man. large live produced event makes sense. I think for your day-to-day but, conference, no, it just is annoying. But but that's just like a Pandora's box, right? So when, you know, you, you go to you go to a, a sporting event or a concert or whatever, and they've got security people at the door to prevent you from bringing things in. And then it's like, now you're going to be in this like Zoom where, you know, oh, there's Matt, he's got his head out. And then I'll be like, you know, I'll put up my, my, my sign. That's like, you know, this show sucks. Right. You're inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. And, and then they'll, they'll cut to the, you know, so then they'll have to add like the two second delay, but then there's going to be like three people who their, their zoom feeds, their internet feeds have gone static. So you're going to have this reaction mm-hmm. shot and they're going to be like these two animated people, like, you know, one's all jittery and one person will be frozen. <laughs> <laughs> that's good it, it just seems weird and creepy but you know maybe maybe i'm old maybe maybe the the e- esports people have been doing this for a while you know are they going to socially distance the video cutouts and the you know the or or like oh. people like oh no well that's what's nice though like if you watch oh, like, nba playoffs actually did a great job i mean they had like basically two okay. sets of stands right above right that were virtual so you i mean it did like it kind of gave you a sense like you're watching it and people did cheer and people did bring signs and stuff and like I think Branded. for kids, I mean, was especially it real. Uh, why, why not just, you know, hey, the, you know, there's some tech company that's like, got that, get this virtual audiences, no audiences. It's oh, hold canned. on. Hold, like, hold canned laughter. Hold that thought. Let me finish you on this one. <laughs> on the live one, it was interesting. And I think kids and like people that wanted to be like kind of be on TV thought it was good. Now, in addition to that, Fox last year who televised live baseball games. So in baseball, as everyone probably knows, much harder to like stay tight on on the actual action right because like you would pan back and you'd see an empty stadium so they did they implemented a thing where they put in virtual crowds right and they mm-hmm. they actually showed you doing it they actually turned it on so like suddenly the stadium's empty they hit a button and it's like boom you have all these fans now that was weird you're like that is weird looking <laughs> that was just well, strange or 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 or, or it, it it's like uh it fills in like a like an mpeg where you know the audience slowly, like their feeds catch up and like different parts of them, you know, pixelate in and, and, and they go live. Weird. Or maybe so, it's just because I'm in Australia with terrible internet. So I'm just netting this out as like, I think it's cool for like sporting events or something where you're trying to like produce it. I think maybe that would be maybe for like a really large tech conference that's going to be live. If you're going to go live, have some reaction shots. Other than that, though, day-to-day use, I, I just do not see any need for it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> exactly. It's like you're going to click on it and be like, well, that's weird. And go back to the other Pretty, I agree. Or, you, you click know, on it one time, you're like... And somewhere there, there's, you know, there's a team of like five engineers who are like, all right, this week we get to add virtual clapping. 
You know, I, I think, Brandon, you have, uh, you know, sort of like a fast growing fungus of an idea started to grow one in my head. And that is, you know, kind of related to what you're saying. It is. I, I, I was I, a colleague in mine were doing like a three hour workshop earlier today. Of course, it was on Zoom and there was like 50 or 60 people. And, you know, not everyone like turns their camera on, but as a speaker, you know, as a participant in a meeting, I don't know if I really enjoy seeing people, much like my real life. Uh, but as a speaker, it actually is kind of nice to see a bunch of people other than just like their their Zoom pictures or a blank thing. So it's almost like if I go back and look at this, uh, you know, photographic, uh, you know, South Park thing here, I could see that if I was speaking to these people, I would really enjoy seeing this view, right? Like a normal audience view, right? Because I'm always like, I'm, you know, I have very little confidence in myself. So when I'm speaking, I'm always looking out at people to like give me feedback about how I'm doing, which you can't really do in a Zoom meeting. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things, I don't know what you call this kind of, I don't even know what you call this, but this kind of mental thing where the people who turn their Zoom video on are often like the outliers of, of kind of like average. So their reactions are like not exactly what the, the majority of people will be having. It's sort of like the, the person who asks three questions uh, at, at a talk instead of just asking one. So <laughs> I, I, you know, maybe that would be nice as a speaker. I mean, as a participant, I would find it like really distracting. And, you know, <clears throat> when I participate in something, I like to follow the, uh, what, I forget the name of the school Buster went to in Arrested Development, but I, I prefer to, the, to be the participant who is neither seen nor heard is, is my Mom preference. First. Mumford School for Children or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, you oh. know, I, I, and and so this this the 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 final thing that that you like fungated into my mind is it would be a fun, slightly artistic experiment to whenever you're giving a talk back in person, you know, whenever that happens, to have a camera on the audience and then to have a TV behind the speaker of that video feed. That would be an interesting little thing to like have the audience see themselves just like you would have in a, a sporting event and see if that resulted in anything uh, happening at all. It would probably make a talk on DevOps or SRE exceedingly thrilling to see the fan reactions. Well, I, I think given the, the virtual burnout that people have of conferences, we probably need to make those talks a little more compelling. Today's episode is sponsored by ConfigCat. ConfigCat is a feature flag service that makes it simple to toggle features on and off. You add feature flags to your code by using ConfigCat libraries. ConfigCat includes libraries for over 10 different programming languages, including Python, Java, and Node.js. Once you've added feature flags, you can easily toggle features on or off using the dashboard. By using ConfigCat, you can help hide or expose features in your application without redeploying code, and you can set up targeting rules to control who gets access to new features. ConfigCat allows you to get features out faster, test in production, and quickly perform rollbacks when needed. With ConfigCat's simple API and clear documentation, you'll have a proof of concept up and running in a matter of minutes. Training new team members is simple, and best of all, you don't pay extra as your team grows. Start today by visiting ConfigCat.com and signing up for their forever free plan. Release features faster with less risk with ConfigCat. And of course, we thank ConfigCat for sponsoring our show. Well, there, there's uh, late in the week, 
you know, we record on Thursdays. There's a raft of, of M&A news. You got IBM acquired a Turbonomic company. Sounds great. And uh, Rackspace purchased, uh, or they have a strategic investment. I, you know, I, I worked in M&A and strategy, and I'm never really sure what a strategic investment is, uh, but that's fine. I mean, I guess usually what it means is you have a, um, as we would say in software programming, a dependency. I don't know if dependencies are ranks, but you've established a business dependency on a another company, and you want to put yeah, some of your money in there. But but the, it always, I mean, it, it probably you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak out, out of uh, my own experiences talking you know having having been at a company that had one of these you know strategic investments and mm-hmm. talking to people who've had them similarly it it doesn't always move the needle, right? Sometimes the, the VC people at the, the firm are not related to like biz dev, um, yeah. you know, cause you know, there, there was a company <laughs> that invested in a, a competitive chef and we were like, Oh, or, you know, we're, we're, we're worried. We're going to see, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, that them getting into our deals and trying to send things to the competitor and like never happened, you know? And then yeah, when we went yeah. and talked, talked to, uh, to you know, the people at the competitor, they're like, "Those guys suck." <laughs> Although yeah, this one is yeah. a little bit. So I think the official announcement here is Rackspace Technology announces strategic investment in Platform Nine and launches Rackspace Managed that's, Platform yeah. for Kubernetes. So the part that, that is solid. the part that is yeah. maybe different here, or maybe or maybe isn't, is that clearly Rackspace is going to build, and they basically are saying, right? They their Kubernetes strategy is going to be built on Platform Nine. So if you go to Rackspace, you want to host. Kubernetes, right? It's going to be platform nine underneath. So you would think this is all just a precursor to an acquisition. Either this offering takes off and therefore Rackspace will kind of feel like they have to buy it, right? Because they want to make it exclusive and they don't want to lose access to the technology. Or it's more like a trial balloon. The service doesn't take off, you know, that yeah. they, don't, they find that, that this is not going to take and, the, and they can just walk away, right? Or just, you know, if you will license the software, but not being stuck with a high priced acquisition. Because you got to think, there was a number here that they would have just acquired it for. And that, that platform nine, you know, my guess is the valuation was just too rich. Rackspace is sort of like, well, let's do this. And you know, if it, if it's as successful as we want it to be, it'll be easy to buy them. And if it isn't, it's easy to walk away. That's kind of my reading between the lines take on this. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, I, I think uh, that'll be interesting. I think, I think uh, remind me Rackspace is owned by a private equity firm or did they re IPO? I'm sure we covered this. Yeah, I I don't know if they've re IPO'd yet, but I think they were going to get spun back out again. You know, yeah, in so and they, out, in and out. They yeah. are a, a public company again, so they're back. After, oh, they are. You know, after a little bit of that, so you know, so you know, in theory, right? They had they went private, they got their house in order, and then now this is kind of like I would assume today this is a, a reason for them to you know kind of you know say hey we're growing right. This is like we're in the we've got our version of Kubernetes and managed Kubernetes, and this is how we're going to grow our managed services business going forward, which, you know, again, makes total sense. I mean, you know, time will tell, right. If people want it, but I mean, it's just another indication of the thing that we're talking about all the time. It's like people clearly want to run on Kubernetes. And now it's sort of the rush to repackage Kubernetes with as Cote, (laughs) you so often say, it's like, Oh, is that not in there already? Right. So you kind of have to repackage <laughs> all of the things together. Right. So well, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's and, what's and, going on here. You know, to, and, and platform nine provides, you know, a managed platform and auto updates and stuff, which kind of fits well with Rackspace's managed service business because, you know, it's, it's 
probably still pretty hard to find, you know, Kubernetes experts. And if Rackspace, I mean, you know, Rackspace probably has some, but if they can leverage the partnership into, hey, you guys provide the software, you know, we we manage it, we provide the customers, we manage it. Somebody's looking at the like, oh, well, I don't have to go out and hire five Kubernetes experts. You know, that's that's you know, million half dollars right there of of head of headcount, and you know, we run the software. It's it's win win. You know, because you know, Rackspace will keep seventy five cents. And, you know, Platform 9 will get a quarter, something like that. And, and so it's like, yeah, Kubernetes is hard to run and it's, it's expensive to find people. So yeah. you, you should use a managed service is my TLDR. Totally. And I think Platform 9, it, it sort of gives them, you know, kind of, uh, as I like to say in investment banking, optionality, right? It's like if the Rackspace offering takes off and they feel like that's the path to success, then they're already embedded with a service provider. Or you know, the, action, the other option would be, they have a lot of success selling to potentially large enterprises, right? And kind of creating a really large enterprise business. And that would sort of give them an indication like, no, let's not, you know, sell out to Rackspace. Let's, you know, continue to become like a, a very large enterprise software vendor going forward. So you can see why, you know, they, it's, it's one of those things Like clearly they're engaged, right? We'll see if they get married at some point. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I don't really follow any company anymore, but like definitely not Rackspace. And uh, it, it would be interesting. I don't know if it's five years, but some term, I think there would be an interesting, it's almost like a, uh, in the spirit of the, uh, what's that book that I, that I, I like? Well, there's, there's three books. There's the uh, In Search of Stupidity. And then you've got like Leprechauns of Coding. I should find a reference to that one. That's, that's a great Leprechauns book. of Coding? Yeah, you should, you should go one. look look that up. Like it's it's a self published book, but it basically it dismisses a lot of the um, like folklore of programming. Like like yeah. it's quite old, but it has a lengthy discussion of like the ten x programmer, and it's written by this person who like you know knows how to do academic searches. And so we'll go basically we'll say like there is absolutely no research that supports this claim that people have had for 20 years and, or, <laughs> or the, or the, the secondary way that that kind of um, refutation is always done is like, Oh, I went and read the paper that's in the footnote that this person used in their keynote presentation. And here's what it actually says. So anyways, so that, that leprechauns book is good. And then of course the halo effect, but it'd be fun to like, look at a rack space and maybe two other companies and be, and you have to pick these other two tech companies and be like, these two, these three companies or however many, they like followed the textbook for being like hard charging innovators and they Mm -hmm. didn't win. And so then what happened? Right. Like, and, and and so like, you know, with, with rack space, like they're on an interesting trajectory, right? Like the, the, the theory there would be like, so I wonder if, and again, I don't follow Rackspace, but I wonder if you looked at these types of companies, what the thing I would want to test out is how out there experimental do they become if they're successful again, right? Or yeah. or do they or do they do they cut themselves back and they're no longer crazy successful? And or, or they're no less, I shouldn't say successful. They no longer do what do they call it? A moonshot. And maybe the chapter could be called moonshots turn to loon shots right or, or, or something like that and, and you know for, for exa- to project loon somehow <laughs> yeah, yeah and for example exactly right like 
I think Facebook, I mean, we probably, we, the three of us travel enough. We probably saw that video ad on the back of some airplane seat of like Facebook talking about how they have these like, uh, gliders that have internet on them and they would launch these gliders in the world. And then like, you know, Google was going to bring dirigibles back or something. And I think even they yeah. canceled all that stuff. And so there's, there's almost like you, uh, you, you sort of, you know, I don't, I don't know the, the, the funny phrase to use for it, but there's some point where you're, um, you know, moving fast and breaking things and innovating where you just move into some sort of hitchhiker's guide of stupidity. And like, <laughs> like you well, really, that, that just brings it back to this, this, uh, this conference conference room view is like, I'm telling you, there's going to be AR goggles and Oculus Rift, and it's going to go down. It's going to explore that, that space. And then they're going to be like, well, all right, we looked at the financials and nobody bought, you know, nobody bought the uh, Microsoft goggle or the, the Google goggles, right? And they're yeah. just going to like kill off that whole tendril of exploration. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I, I'm going to posit one thing, and that is I'm going to call this, uh, uh, you know, Matt Ray's inadvertent law of innovation. And <laughs> innovation, Matt Ray, just don't do it. <laughs> Matt, Ray's, Matt Ray's inadvertent law of innovation states, once you start spending money, spending money on AR, it's time to stop. <laughs> or, or self-driving cars. Um, you know, that, that lets somebody else burn through that capital. If, you know, it's just, you know, hopefully, you know, I know, I know, uh, I know the Zoom people are, are you know, they, they've got a you know, good thing going with their stock and everything. And, and, you know, they're looking for ways to innovate and they got stuff they got to do you know they got to justify all, all the uh the high prices and stuff but you know i don't know uh stick with acquisitions <laughs> hey everybody it's me this episode is brought to you by cbt nuggets are you looking to build your it skills do you want to learn more about it security cloud computing or networking then it's time to visit cbt nuggets they offer 350 courses and over 2,000 virtual labs they have courses available on everything including aws linux vmware and even salesforce and best of all it's available online so you can learn what you want when you want i was perusing some uh, how to do all the various devops things on azure it's extremely extensive it even shows you building pipelines and uh, it covers everything from the basics to uh, even more complicated things so it's a good overall introduction it looks like no matter where you are, are knowledgeable of things maybe i'll catch up on how to actually use github since i stopped programming way back in the mid 2000s anyhow cbt nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week so there's always something new to learn they also offer accountability coaching allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. It's pr probably what I would need. Uh, I'd have to find the track first and get on it. But once I was there, getting some help to stay on track would be great. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com slash sdt. That's c-b-t-n-u-g-g-e-t-s dot com slash sdt there you can sign up for a free learning offer where you can sample portions of popular courses for free by signing up with your google account and as a bonus you will be entered into a drawing to win a six-month premium subscription start learning today at cbtnuggets.com slash sdt and of course we thank them for sponsoring our show so also in mna news and as always this is one of the i've done i've done the background reading like a like a good boy 
little big doesn't I, I don't want to be size judgmental uh and uh i just i just need some uh some some um not affirmations confirmations now microsoft purchased this company i i i you know getting getting dutch and deutsch mixed up together can be dangerous when there's v's involved but i think you're supposed to say can can folk convoke I, I i never know yes that's how that's the correct pronunciation because it's 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 volkswagen no, we say Volkswagen in English. I was trying to, I was on another thing. I have had a busy week of events. It's nice that they're over and this is the only thing I have to worry about. It's very relaxing. Uh, but I had another thing and I was trying to learn how to say I have a teammate who is Polish and his name is, let's see, it's like, uh, see, I, I'm, I'm demonstrating it right now. His name is Jakob or Jakub, no, Jakob. And like, there was another, there was an English dude on with this call. And I, I had to go, I was the MC for this event. And I had to go around because, you know, it's in EMEA. So there's a bunch of non-British or American named people. Totally cool. And I had to be like, hey, look, I'm going to introduce you. So I'm going to embarrass myself here. I'm going to go around the horn and try to pronounce your name and tell me if I'm doing it correctly. And I kind of surprised myself that I pronounced it. But for fuck's sake, I, I can never say my teammate's Jakob's name correctly and the British guy was saying it and he was like oh yes well you say the the American way that you say cube you know he he made fun of it and I was like there's multiple ways to say cube how do, you, and, how do and, they say cube I don't know man he wasn't making fun of me <laughs> but like like it I I I think I don't know if this is true because I'm not a linguistician but like I think the characteristic of American English is we hear less sounds like there's so many things that we think are all the same sound or we're just null to it so anyways kinvolk volkswagen volkswagen kinfolk i have no idea i don't know how to Way pronounce to it yes there you go <laughs> yeah what, you know what the, have the, you it's the, it's it's like but, but soda it, pop coke yeah all these things it's, like, it's all the same my, my my wife's name is, is tara uh t-a-r-a and uh-huh. like australians are like tara and she's like, and you're like, no, you know, no. And, and, you know, I mentioned this, uh, you know, I mentioned the, uh, the inability of people to pronounce her name to an Australian. He's like, oh yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just, exactly. We can't do that. And, yeah. <clears throat> but, but it, it, you know, I, I, I think I heard my wife, you use the mispronounced version when she introduced herself once. And so that's when Tara. you know they've won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would be interesting to know to see a Venn diagram of the uh, let's call them the uh, the the current and former Commonwealth countries, and to see like what what the the overlaps of uh, is it a phenom? I don't know what it is, but the the sounds that right. they can make in the language are. And yeah, I wonder yeah. if something like a tear, as in Terra, doesn't exist prominently in Australian English, and so they want to say Tara instead of Terra. Like there must know. be, there must be some mapping of these sounds that the different <laughs> people who speak the same language, like can't really like make uh, yep. that the, the other speakers do. Finally getting some Noam Chomsky in here. Anyways, speaking of, of sounds <laughs> that uh, various people in the same community can't make, it seems like, so kinfolk, kinvolk, or invoke, whatever, uh, basically they're the ones who uh, after uh, like Red Hat kind of munged around what core os was and merged it into fedora or whatever i will we'll get we'll get our friend brian on here to straighten out what actually happened uh because i don't remember i'm sure we covered it uh but it seems like microsoft just acquired a linux distro namely yeah. core os so like 
I, I forget in the history of their acquisitions if they've acquired a Linux distro before. I mean, I don't think so. But this one, you could actually pay money as a Linux thing to get support for, which I think technically makes it a distro. I think something becomes a Linux distro when you can pay money for it. That mm, I don't know. <clears throat> that that you can't. Who do you pay for Debian? This is this is true. This is true. You just pay in kindness. I think. <laughs> is now wait hold on hold on you, you pay you pay and 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 pedantic uh, uh you know and pedantry you're like, right no, 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 to be pedantic technically it's the flat car container linux is the version is i guess to your what you're going at cote it's that's the distro that um kinfolk has been working on, I guess, having taken up the mantle after core OS. So that's right. So that seems but to, I, I don't know. I don't think that was their main push. I, I like, I've, I've worked with Kinvoke before. They, they are just kind of like a jack of all trades when it comes to, you know, Kubernetes and eBPF and, and this, you know, this is a hard space and there's not a lot of experts. You know, it's, you know, not only are they, it's going to be hard to fire, hire your, your five Kubernetes folks, it's going to be hard to fi- find five experts as, as highly skilled as Kenvoke, right? You know, they I've, they I've, have I've, some, some so, serious So folks. you're basically saying Aquahire here. This is, uh, oh, yeah. this is just, we want smart people to work with us. I've, I've got, I've got two, two related footnotey comments here. One, Matt Ray, is Debian Linux? I feel like there's a whole multi-decade-long conversation about this that I must have encountered before. But we'll just we'll just oh, move on. Oh. No, 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 no. We we didn't really talk about the the um, what's the opposite of triumphant? The return of RMS to the Free Software Foundation. There oh is a raft of of people submitting patches to remove GNU from Linux. They're like, you know, screw this. We're done with the pedantry. We're not going to call it GNU Linux. There's a whole bunch of them. It's this passive. I mean, it's not passive aggressive. It's aggressive aggressive, I guess, but it's like, you know, we're done. (laughs) We are done with, with that. We're it's Linux. It's Linux forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Now I had a second point. Oh, my second point is, (laughs) uh, leading up to eventually the third point, which I hope I remember is I feel like at some point a technology, if you have to do aqua hires to use that technology, the people who are writing that technology should maybe spend a year on making it easier to understand and use. Like I remember this was like a great hallmark of the Java world is that, and it still is, is that like people understand it and it's not overly complex. You don't have to be like an Erlang engineer. (laughs) <laughs> or, or whatever in order to do java like it's straightforward it was designed to be understandable and it seems like i don't know i'm gonna go out on a limb here i feel like kubernetes has been around long enough that maybe they need to have a committee for making this shit easy to deal with oh committee right and Jeez. and like or, or whatever a, a sig i forget mm. i forget what I they know. call it i'm gonna go the oh, other way you here. think there's a usability sig in kubernetes yeah. i don't know we should I don't look know. that I would up say Flip it around. I think I would almost say working is designed, right? Like if you think about go back in time mm. with the, the rise of Docker and then it's, it, there was like the potential that Docker was going to be the next VMware. I think the industry converged and said, no, 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 we, we're not going to allow this happen. Everyone embraces Kubernetes. And I think the industry, all the vendors like it like this. There's sort of this underlying core system, Kubernetes, that everyone essentially picks up and like, you know, changes, adds some usability to, puts their own take on it, whether it be, you know, Microsoft, we just went over Rackspace, obviously, 
All the major cloud vendors have it. VMware's got Tanzu, Rackspace is, I'm sorry, no, uh, Red Hat's got OpenShift, right? So I think everyone, I think this is what people, the vendors at least, I think is what people want, right? It's like we're competing on how do you make this platform accessible? Um, and that way, no one, if you will, is the de facto winner of like the whole pie. That's kind of what yeah, I think is yeah. happening here. Yeah. yeah I'm, I, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't think, I don't think Microsoft hired Kenvoke to be there, you know, the point oh, the, yeah, the, the, that's, the, the that's, usability people that's I mean, why that's like, why it was un- unrelated EDPF and inspector gadget and you know kubernetes system d they, they hired they hired like you know a swat team that's what this is yeah 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 no that, that was that was just a uh uh you know somewhat tangential thing to that about the uh, difficulty i mean because you look at every survey about kubernetes and you know uh two things always top the charts of, of barriers and problems one is skills and the other is security like that's that's what people are always freaked out about, and you know this reminds me uh, to be a footnote to a footnote. Like I, I remember one of the better surveys I saw was maybe it was Kubernetes. I forget what it was, but it was what were what are people's concerns before they use the technology, and like a year later after they use it, what are their concerns? And it was it was very heartening to see that security dropped much lower. Like people just freak out about security all the time. Anyways, the third thing is that, uh, you know, looking through the, uh, you just rattled through the names of lots of things that the kinfolk kinfolk people do. I think Microsoft has found their next group of brand people because the names they choose are fantastic, (laughs) right? And like, I I think even even in the blog post uh, going over this, they uh, they made reference to the funniness of their name. And so I think uh, hopefully that is- They've got some some sharp namers over there. They- they, uh, like back in the day, they did some work uh, with Chef's Habitat project, and they they deployed Kubernetes with Habitat, and they called it uh, Kubernetes the Habway. And I was just like, oh. I I feel I feel like I feel like if if uh, you know no one has ever hired us yet, but we are available. If you ever want to hire the software defined uh, you know invest, investment banker consultancy service, I think what we would have brought to this deal is I would, you know, we would have collectively suggested that this is going to add a 0.2 to your EV EBITDA because you're also acquiring the uh, the feel goodwill of excellent naming uh, that, that you're going to bring in here. But it, it, very, very encouraging. So yeah, that, there you go. Microsoft purchased itself a uh, Linux distribution, which, uh, which is- Well, they, they do have a, a distro for their switches and stuff that they open sourced a while ago. Yeah. Um, you know, from deep in the the bowels of of, of Azure, like, you know, you, you're not running Windows 2019 on a lot of embedded hardware, and so Microsoft, back in the day, they've already released a Linux distro. So that's fair. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. You know. So <laughs> now again, they have two Linux. They, they have because, at least like, two. Yeah. They must have multiple of them running around actually for Azure and everything else. Who knows? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what does Xbox run on? Does that run on Windows or its own thing? I don't know. I think it's Windows because it uses DirectX, so you can have it's easier to port games from Windows to Xbox. Mm, I think, I and that way your servers can be on Windows too. Like you can keep your client and server code slightly related, and you don't have to work. You know, I mean, it's a cheating way of of doing everything through APIs. Like, oh yeah, we just use the same library on both sides. Mm, I love a cheating way of, with APIs. That's good stuff. <laughs> well, that that was one of the like dirty secrets of game companies. Is like you know, as everyone was you know, oh Linux for servers, Linux for servers. Like the game companies were just like, no, nah, we're Windows. 
right? Mm-hmm. And and so you'd have people like you know uh, Riot or you know whoever the you know video game Blizzard or you know whoever, and they'd be running massive farms of Windows boxes, you know Windows headless Windows servers, and you know that's uh, they were slightly resistant to automation before Chef came on the scene. That's what I'm going to be for uh, Halloween this coming year is a headless Windows server. I think that 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 would really bring in the candy from the uh, Amsterdam. Uh, and that that would go well with the Amsterdam crowd to be like, and you are you <laughs> that's know, right, headless Windows server. You know, <laughs> why are you here? What day is this? I do not understand. <laughs> do, they, do they not do Halloween in, in Amsterdam? They're 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 doing it a little bit more and more. And there's like enclaves of neighborhoods you can go to where they do Halloween. I think, you know, give it, give it like three to five years. They'll be full on Halloween fever here. Like they, they are up in the UK. I mean, I mean, Halloween is win-win all around. There is, there is very little reason to not do Halloween. It's uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good holiday. Well uh, you know, related somewhat uh, is I think I think was it you, Matt Ray, who shared this December 2020 thing about the commodification of DevOps? I I, I think, and uh, I I read through it, and I have to say, this is the first time that I've read an article that contained the words DevOps and Karl Marx and Marxism <laughs> in the same post. Yeah, they're at I, last. I am surprised that I of all the DevOps days talks I've seen in conferences, I am surprised there has not been, you know, uh, you know. DevOps and Marxism uh, brought up, but I think finally, finally we've got it here. Well, and, uh, I mean, I mean, people have called open source communism for years, so you know, it, it's it's just a hop, skip, and a jump to, uh, you know, um, power to the the yeah. proletariat or whatever. And I look forward to seeing some further analysis of if this is going to be uh, if, if it's uh, you know Trotsky adjacent, if we're more of a Leninist thing. I really don't know the difference between, you know, Maoist and, and Trotsky and Lenin and uh, the other variants. I don't even know what the other variants are, but that would be a great that's that's basically three minutes into the lightning talk where you're you're comparing them to the uh, various positions. And well, and, the, goal- and the other day, Atlassian introduced open DevOps. Uh Oh, uh, so so, you know, <laughs> that that's practically, you know, they're like, oh, you know, uh Karl Marx would be proud. <laughs> I, th- I think. I think. Also, you know what? What proceeds after this is is the American version, which I think. Well, I guess maybe it started with the the, the Parisians in the late '60s, but I think it carries over to uh, sit-ins. We need to have sit-in DevOps uh, to to sort of move the needle along. Anyways, I know. I know you had some. Uh, you took a lot of notes on this article, Brandon. What, yeah. Well, I think what's the. Going on here? You know, I think it was an interesting read. It's basically, you know. The, the point of the article, I think, is just basically saying that, hey, things get uh, become commodities over time. And I thought one line stands out here. It's like SRE can be thought of a reaction of the commodification of DevOps and Agile, but in an increasingly specific way. And I think so I think the the overall tone is sort of like, hey, these ideas come out, whether it's Agile or DevOps, and then they become commodities and then they sort of get watered down and a new thing springs up in its place. Right. And I thought that was good. And I think now the part that I thought was interesting is he kind of. Uh, the author goes on to say it's essentially like, you know, it's it's really a fight for control is his point. It's like people mm-hmm. at the lower level are, you know, to kind of your conversation there a minute ago, uh, are trying to take more control of it. Right. And that's what these new ideas are, like becoming yeah. an SRE. But I think the and so I think he's I think he makes that point is like and I thought that was interesting. But I think the part that I think the missing part of the article or maybe the next article in this series, if you were to write one, were 
the people that are sort of trying to retake power never, if you will, are willing to reach up and take ownership of the business objectives, right? And I think, oh. you know, to the Amazon book we're going to read here that Matt Ray recommended in our upcoming book club episode, that, you know, they kind of go over a pretty extensive, um, what they call operating plan. What is the annual operating plan? So the thing about the way they do it at Amazon, it's not really unique, but everywhere I've been, there's some type of annual plan where you have to sit down and ultimately decide how much money we make last year, what are we going to grow to next year, right? And from that, it is a very waterfall kind of feeling. And from that, though, all the plans of the rest of the company have to flow. And I think that's maybe the, the missing thing here is, is that, great, if you are the Agile team or the people that are at the, you know, if you will, building the software and are trying to retake control, to really have the full control, you have to go all the way back to the top and say, I'm going to help you in your annual plan, because the answer can't be, hey, we're just going to not have a budget or we're going to do the budget every month. Like it just doesn't work. Like the company cannot yeah, function. Yeah. Right. So and I think that's just like an interesting part. So it's like I think while he portrays it as sort of like the people at the bottom know what's going on and they need to be left alone and they want more independence. And that's what these these movements provide, which I think is true. But like, you know, without you're never getting full independence until you go all the way to the top and you embrace the operating plan. And then once you do that, you may come back and have a different opinion, right? About, oh, I can't just plan every two weeks. So I think that's what's, yeah. what's really interesting about this article. That's, that's, a re that's a really interesting, fun, uh, would you call that a take? But sort of uh, a thing to add there, which is like, yeah, no one really storms the ramparts of corporate finance, but that's sort of like where, where you have to go. And, and it is... It's 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 almost like I mean that that always seems to be the the case with uh, again I don't know these terms so pardon my uh, you know happy American capitalist uh, phrasing of them but that seems to always be the 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 issue with the sit-ins and the Marxisms is like you know then what right like how do you how do you uh, what do you do after you've uh, gotten people to agree to things and you're going to run the entire system like you definitely don't want to uh, you know end up killing a lot of people. That's that's not a good result. Even corporate well, finance doesn't do that, <clears throat> and and so like it's it it is like you know that's that's what the what I wrote in my last book or report as O'Reilly likes to call it is like it seems like the next thing we need to worry about is the business side and uh, it, and and it, it does like the first question you need to ask I guess as a um, a DevOps revolutionary as it were is like do we seek to uh, are we going to go to the guillotines or do we want to like convert and change? Which path are we going to take? And uh, so are you seeking to replace them wholesale and put a different system in place? Or as you were kind of suggesting, Brandon, do we want to more like understand, I guess what DevOps people would say is empathize and kind of like help out and transform that. And then I think, you know, the fear you always have in that second case is like, once I understand something, then I'm going to realize why it is the way it is. And then mm -hmm. I don't change it. And uh, I become, it's not the cynical way is like, I become part of the problem, which is like, oh, I was the problem, right? Like well, you, you sort of convert over there and, and that, uh, that's good. That would be a good follow on thing to say like, all right, we have, we, we, the workers have arrested control of our <laughs> destiny and our situation. And now let's go talk to corporate finance and figure out what exactly. those, those capitalists are up to. Right. I mean, there, there's so many parallels to like what happened in the world of, you know, Marxist communist countries. You know, it's like, oh, now that we're successful, we need some sort of group that's in charge of everything. And 
those guys that you know they're going to have special privileges and the, you know some some animals are more equal than others <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. yeah you know just watching uh my 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 daughter and i watched this series on north korea and you know my <laughs> good like, daddy daughter time uh, she 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 likes the history stuff right and i was like you know uh, yeah there were a couple of times where like you can't watch this scene you know yeah. no, no terrible things happening but but the point is like there there is this naivete and children I, I, maybe your kids haven't gotten there yet where they're like why are people communist <laughs> and then yeah. you're like okay let's talk about history and, and then it's like this just in people are terrible and then you know and here we are in the software industry and like this just in things are terrible um and there you're going to get to this threshold where you're like those those you know ossified structures are there because it's hard to break through them and yeah yeah and 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 this is like so so uh you know to to my apparently i have learned uh over the past couple of weeks that i am the slacker of the three of us in in doing things which is fine i accept my role here uh but i i have two hours and 50 no one hour and 56 minutes left of that amazon book i, I i'm listening to it on 2.5 x which is wow. a great speed for that book uh <laughs> you definitely don't want to listen to a book a business book on 2.5 x when your your uh your one-year-old daughter is screaming her head off in your arms that's just too much stress to deal with at, at <laughs> once but one of the things i'm going to want to talk about is like this sounds suspiciously like every single company that we're told operates poorly with annual planning, tops down control, and basically like relentless, fuck you, this is how we do things. And so like, that will be fun to discuss. Maybe it resolves at the end. And, and this, is, this is not a way of saying that I think the, the company portrayed in this book is bad at all. It's just a confusion in my head of trying to fit together these, these concepts that, uh, that, that people uh, talk about differently. But I think, I think that's exactly like the interesting thing that this, this, uh, that you evoke there, Brandon is like, yeah, annual planning, not escaping that. So let's sort it out. Right. Like what, what do we, what do we, uh, what do we do with that? Like if you want food, you need 18 wheelers. That's, that's the way it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, we're going to have this planned economy, and oh, here comes the famine. This episode is brought to you by StrongDM. One of your SREs quit. You suspended their VPN access. Was that good enough? Are you sure your infrastructure access is locked down? StrongDM is the only way to be confident in your access controls across any environment. Instantly revoke access to any database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. Automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to demonstrate exactly who did what, when, and where across your entire stack. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi, StrongDM is the only way to manage access and audit controls at scale without disrupting workflows. Start your 14-day free trial at strongdm.com sdt. There's no credit card required. That's strongdm.com sdt. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. Well, also, there was a lot of uh, tech earnings. And like, you know, I always see tech earnings nowadays. And my, my uh, uh, they're just like, really good. So yeah, there seems to be and this is this is whatever the category of this kind of thing is, there seems to be like little commentary to have about tech earnings. It's just like, things are going very well. And, yeah. uh, you know, there was uh, yeah, there, there was uh, the fun launch of like the the new iOS with like uh, 
I don't know, tracking and blocking. And I don't know. Yeah. Facebook stuff. Hold on. I can make the predictions for the two of you. Cote asks, is this going to materially affect Google's earnings in the next corner? In the next quarter? Both of you say, absolutely not. They will make even more money. So earnings, good stuff. Love it. Good stuff. Uh, And on that note, uh, Brandon, do we have any bureaucracy to go over this episode? We do. Uh, A couple things here. So uh, I think it's Harry from uh, Benicos asked if he could recommend uh, Software Defined Talk as a virtual gift to their conference participants. And of course, I said yes. And I just wanted to call out how polite uh, he was for asking permission. And, and, And I also wanted to give global permission to anyone that wants to recommend Software Defined Talk for any reason to anyone, please go ahead uh, and do it. And we also uh, wanted to call out, I don't know how to say this name, I think it's uh, Darof Bailey. So he said he has started uh, listening uh, to the entire Software Defined Talk back catalog. Mm. He said he's about three-fourths of an episode a day. So I just wanted to call out like, hey, if you're hearing this, you're getting close. You're almost caught up. I don't know. So um, Keep going. He says it is, it, his comment was, it is interesting <laughs> listening to some of the commentary on the race between Docker, Kubernetes, and Mesos from back then. So he's oh reliving tech history through us. So con- wow, I, I, congratulations, I, Darof. If you've made it this far, we congratulate you. And you're, you're almost to the end. You're going to be there very, wow. very soon. Yeah. I, my, my, my only comment is like, that, that's kind of weirdly awesome, but I, I sure hope he's not re-listening. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I guess he's listening for the first time. Correct, correct. And then finally, um, hopefully, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing all these names wrong. I think it's Semenu uh, wants you to work at InfraCloud. They're hiring solution architects and SREs, and it uh, looks like they're based in India, but remote is available for uh, lots of uh, those jobs. So if you're looking for a job, as always, there's plenty of jobs in the Software Defined Talk Slack go to the jobs channel. I think all the major tech companies and one form or another have posted a job in there. And also, if you would like a sticker, just uh, email me your postal address at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. And speaking of jobs, there's two over here in VMware Tanzu land. There's, uh, as I mentioned, we have, uh, if you listen to the other, uh, not the other, but another podcast that has a channel, our Slack channel, You'll know that Tasty Meets Paul works at a new place, which is great. He seems to be having a good time. But this means that we have an open slot on our advocate team, especially if you want to uh, focus on DevOps and Kubernetes stuff. If I was super cool, I'd have a link to the job listing here in the show notes, but I don't. So you can just, uh, I don't know, DM me or ask and I'll find the link and send it to you. But also, we have a uh, product marketing position open. I forget the title or whatever, but... I, I forget the area it focuses on, but I don't know. It's cloud native shit. <laughs> you really like, saw, and you really saw this job. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen. If if you want to do product marketing uh, in the area of stuff that we talk about all the time, it's that, right? Like, yep. don't don't worry about it. It's all it's all the same soup. You just stick a different ladle in it, and sometimes you get more carrots than uh, beef nibs than than not. But you can dig around in there, or you know, whatever the case may be. Good old stew. Uh, so. Uh, I was going to say something else, but I've completely forgotten it. So you should check out uh, those jobs. Now, there's a couple of conferences. There's many coming up. I'm actually speaking at the, uh, not this coming Monday, but a week from Monday at the the Registers Conference or Continuous Life Cycle. Uh, I, should, I should work on that talk. Uh, but if I don't know if it's too late to register for that, but you could attend it. And there's also the Rabbit MQ Summit, 
coming up in July. You can check the show notes at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 296. Cloud Native Con Europe is coming up as well. All of these will be virtual. And there's uh, SlowConf, S-L-O-Conf. S-L-O-Conf. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's May. Uh, and also, as always, as I'll be telling you for many months, our big conference, Spring One, is coming up September 1st and 2nd. I had a final push last week to get a bunch of people I'd uh, been saving up to submit some talks. And uh, those talks seem really good. They're kind of in the area that I always care about. Uh, but, you know, always, as always, go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 296. Don't always go to 296, but whatever the, <laughs> the, the show episode is, and you can see conferences uh, that, that are coming up there. And as all, uh, you know, uh, enjoy the conferences. Now, this week, Brandon, what do you have to recommend? Well, what I just want to recommend, we had a lot of good nonsense this week. Uh, everything from uh, the world's oldest known bottle of whiskey being auctioned off. Uh, Matt Ray found a link to a robot dog that got, uh, I guess, somehow um, was recalled. And then, of course, Microsoft is trying to find a new font. So, you know, if you're, if you're bored, there's lots of uh, good links in there to click. Um, and then I want to recommend uh, Death's End. So this is like a, a, really a Matt Ray recommendation. I finally got to the end of the Three Body Problem series, book three. I thought the whole series was great. I mean, it's, a, it's an, just an incredible, like, um, I don't know, epic tale. I mean, talk about like spanning like hundreds, thousands, millennia. So it's a, it's an interesting book, and uh, I thought it was a really good read. And I actually, enjoy, I've, in addition to just enjoying the book itself, it's going to become a Netflix series. So I'm really curious how they adapt it. Some of these things seem incredibly difficult. So I think it's the same people that did Game of Thrones. So um, now that I know the story, I feel like seeing the series will be even better one day when that comes out. So so check that out. And then also, uh, we did a little uh, Streamer's Delight here. We talked a lot about uh, the book that we're going to do, some book review coming up, Working Backwards. That's the Amazon book. So we're going to do a little episode where I think we all have some takes on it. So if you want to uh, read... Two weeks? Is that what we said, Matt? So we're going to do it in a couple we, weeks. We, so. we, we, I, I, need to, I need to commit to it, right? All right. So Matt Ray's you committing know, to it. So it episode 298, Working right, Backwards. So we're going to do it. Working Backwards, we're going to have a whole thing. So if you want to uh, participate in the book review or or at least uh, having read it beforehand, get, get on it. You've got two weeks to read it. So check all that stuff out. Yeah. And I, I think it's worth reading so far. It's good. Whatever, whatever your reaction is, it's it's uh, it's, it's gonna make stuff. for an interesting conversation. Yeah, we're, you're gonna enjoy the episode. <laughs> it will be more fun. The episode you need to read it because it'll be a lot more fun to enjoy uh, to listen to that episode. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, yourself, Matt Ray. What do you have to recommend this week? <laughs> so, so we got a new dog about uh, I don't know two months ago, okay. um, and the kids named him Levi. And, you know, I tried to influence their names or whatever. So I, I immediately nicknamed him Leviathan because, you know, you got to you got to take what you're working with. But then um, I started calling him the dog Leroy. <laughs> uh -huh. And I introduced my whole family to the Leroy Jenkins meme from, I don't know, 10 years ago. And so now everyone in my family calls the dog Levi Jenkins. And so Levi Jenkins. <laughs> the dog's new name is Levi Jenkins Ray. So I, I'm gonna say mission accomplished. Uh I don't know how that's a recommendation. I just, you know, you gotta know your memes. That's my my recommendation is make sure that everyone around you is properly educated and Leroy Jenkins. That's true. I thought about that recently. That was that was a great moment in internet. <laughs> well, I, I've I've got I've got a couple of recommendations this week. The primary recommendation is uh, a little utility 
called monitor control. Now, I rehooked up my my uh, my three monitor setup, you know, including the laptop that I have. And uh, one of the monitors, like it seemed dim. And so I did that thing. I don't know, you know, where you, you kind of like feel around the monitor to find the buttons. And I'd set myself mentally to go through like that thing where there's like two buttons that control a monitor and it's very complicated and weird because I wanted to turn the brightness up and there were no buttons on this monitor that I could find. Uh, and so I thought like, surely with software, I can set the brightness. And uh, I searched around and there's several utilities but the one that I settled on is this one called Monitor Control on Mac OS. And it basically allows you to, uh, in software, as they say, set the brightness, contrast, and somewhat confusingly, volume. volume. Exactly. Oh, I need that, uh, though, because like my, my monitor, I, you know, if I use the monitor speakers built into this Dell, I can't, I have to use the buttons. And yeah. It's annoying. Yeah. So get, get this monitor control thing. You can set oh, the brightness for each monitor on its own, right? It doesn't default to one thing. Now, why that's not just built in to, uh, you know, speaking of tech companies that make lots of money, why Apple hasn't built that into Mac OS, not sure. I'm, I'm sure they're like, why would you want to set the, the brightness on a monitor that sucks if you don't have an Apple monitor? <laughs> like, that's probably totally <laughs> valid take. Dell monitor. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I, I like my Dell monitors. They're very good. Uh, anyhow, yeah. so check that out. Now, the secondary thing... Uh, I, I was thinking of a rule of thumb that if you find yourself exploring the settings and advanced settings in Zoom during a meeting, there should be an alert for the speaker to tell you that they're being boring. Uh, but I was I was exploring some settings on a, a Zoom meeting recently, and I found out that you you know when you I put a screenshot here in our show notes, but you know when you've got that Zoom view, your little default thing that it tells you the time and it has like that office plant thing, like some little image of some office plants but behind the time. And I found out you can change the picture on that. So uh, I went in and changed it to one of my favorite old pictures of like, I think from the early 90s, it's the wearable computer club from MIT. And uh, I think that's, you know, brings a little smile to my face when I see that. And then finally, I forget how I came across this, but there's this guy out there who his, his handle, as it were, is uh, Saul Ponson. I think that's because his real name is uh, Paul Swanson. But he's got a great site. He used to work in the uh, the BBS world of ANSI art and stuff like that. So it's fun to look at that. But he found this adorable video of himself, I think, back in the 80s with a total California, well, he's from Chicago. But, you know, if you would imagine like a bowl cut on a blonde kid sitting at a computer playing around and uh, you should go check out that video. It's very cute where his dad is off camera being like, what are you what are you what are you drawing? Oh, what you need to do is type in, are you in break? And uh, it's, it's a good, fun little video. So as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 296. You can also go there or just softwaredefinedtalk.com if you want to save yourself some character typing. And you can find out how to join our Slack channel. Uh, I don't know all sorts of other stuff like that, that we have. It's a very thriving Slack thing that we got going on there. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a uh, I was going to say good motivation, but that is an effective motivator.